the FT. The global economy is recovering, but how sustainable is this upturn? I am Ferdinando Giuliano, economics correspondent to the Financial Times, and joining me down the line is Eswar Prasad, professor of economics at Cornell University and the senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. Welcome, Eswar. Every uh, six months, we compile an FT Brookings Institution index on uh, the state of the global recovery. What's this telling us? So this index um, essentially puts together information from the real economy, that is things like GDP and industrial production, financial market indexes, and indexes of uh, business and consumer confidence. And what the index tells us is that um, we do have um, a very weak and modest recovery, um, but looking into the underlying patterns of the recovery, it looks very uneven, and there are some risks, in my view, that this uh, recovery could stall, given that it seems to be built on very shaky foundations. The other interesting point is that there seems to be a very modest um, and perhaps temporary reversal of fortunes between the advanced and the emerging market economies. So the emerging market economies have been growing quite well in the aftermath of the global financial crisis, while the advanced economies had been fairly badly hit. And that pattern continued for a few years. But now the emerging market economies seem to be losing momentum, while the advanced economies are beginning to gather some momentum, although from a very weak base. But the reality is that if you look around the world, there seem to be only three economies, really, the U.S., U.K., and India, which have positive growth momentum. And in virtually every other major economy, growth is either slowing or is coming off a very weak base and hardly looks very solid. Let's have a look at the developed economies first. So you're saying the U.S. still has momentum, but we've had quite a few um, soft data points over the last uh, few months. And it looks like even at the U.S. Federal Reserve, the policymakers, central bankers, are considering delaying a rate hike, which uh, investors had expected for uh, the summer, perhaps a little later. Certainly, U.S. economic growth has managed to remain resilient, but is beginning to show some effects of carrying the burden of the world economy on its uh, shoulders. Um, In the U.S., uh, consumer confidence is still quite strong. Retail sales are strong. Credit growth is uh, pretty good. Um, And so far, um, pressures in terms of wage and price inflation have remained fairly well contained. But certainly the strength of the U.S. dollar, which has been very persistent, and if anything, the dollar is perhaps going to strengthen further if other major advanced economies continue with their monetary easing. All of that starts uh, having a drag on the U.S. economy, and I think we are beginning to see uh, some of that already happening with, as you pointed out, some weak labor market data in the last uh, two or three months. So whether the U.S. can continue to power the world recovery um, remains to be seen, and certainly it doesn't portend well for either the U.S. or the world economy if the U.S. is seen as the major contributor of world demand. Let's now have a look at the Eurozone, which has been struggling over the last couple of years. We've had this big decision by the European Central Bank early on this year to launch a program of quantitative easing. Will this work? What do the figures show? Certainly in the Eurozone, things are looking a lot better than they were a few months ago. 
the Greek debt crisis certainly raises the risk of still boiling over and creating some chaos in uh, the eurozone. But by and large, the economy is in a slightly better spot than it was a few months ago, although that's still not saying very much because there are really only two economies, uh, two major economies, Germany and Spain, that are still registering good growth. There are a couple of others that are not doing too badly, but uh, in most other economies, the best that can be said is at least that they are not contracting anymore. And in the Eurozone, business confidence remains weak. Deflationary pressures are still a concern. So I think it would be premature to say the Eurozone has turned a corner. And the bigger concern is whether all the good news that we've been seeing lately, at least relatively speaking, and also the rally in European equity markets and the decline in sovereign bond yields is really a consequence of the ECB's quantitative easing and whether this can be sustained in the absence of other policy measures. I have my doubts. Before we move on to developing economies, I I would like to ask you about the UK. We have a general election coming up in uh, just three weeks' time, and there are questions over whether the strong performance which we've seen last year, the UK was, after all, the fastest growing of the G7 uh, club, uh, can be sustained into this year. The UK has indeed shown remarkable um, strength in the last couple of years, and I think some of the policy measures that the UK authorities have taken and the willingness of the Bank of England in particular to take necessary measures has certainly helped uh, a great deal. Now, uh, even though there might be some degree of political instability related to the elections, um, I suspect that we are all expecting a relatively smooth um, handover of power, even if there were to be a change in government. So my sense is that given that the UK is not as dependent on external demand as some of these other economies like the Eurozone and Japan, And given that there seems to be some space in terms of policies to respond to any um, slowdown in growth, I suspect the UK economy is one that we can count on to keep doing reasonably well, at least in the short term. Finally, you've spoken about a reversal of fortunes between the developing world and the rich world. Now, my question is about another possible reversal of fortune is within the emerging markets, the one between China and India. China has been doing spectacularly well over the last Uh, two decades, while India was, over the last last few years, has been lagging behind. Will we see the paths of uh, the growth paths of India and China cross and India growing faster than China? Certainly, at the moment, that is the reality with India growing uh, faster. Now, China is facing a fairly broad slowdown with industrial activity slowing, producer prices continuing to fall. My sense is that the government has enough space with both monetary and fiscal policy to maintain growth at around 7% for the next couple of years at least. The big question is whether the government can deliver on all the financial market and other market-oriented reforms that it seems to be committed to that is going to determine whether China can rebalance its economic growth and make it more sustainable. Now, India has a lot of potential coming off a very low base. Um, Low oil prices have been a boon for India, and thanks to that, and also some other policy measures and reforms. Um, The current account deficit is down, the budget deficit is on a downward trajectory, and inflation has uh, come somewhat under control. So it's a great uh, base on which India could potentially build. But the big question for India now is whether the government is going to be committed enough to deliver on a broad package of reforms that are still necessary to lock in 
the high growth that India has enjoyed for the last couple of years. So I think India has great prospects, but like in the case of China, it's all going to depend on whether we see significant reforms in the next year or two. As we're Prasad from Cornell University and the Brookings Institution, thank you very much for being with us today. So the global economy is in recovery mood, but there are still many question marks over how sustainable this is. For more information about the FT Brookings Institution Tiger Index, go to ft.com forward slash tiger. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.